Welcome to the Maximizing Outcomes Podcast, brought to you by Jim McGovern and the McGovern Wealth Group. Achieving bigger and better results with money, family, and business isn't about creating a bigger to-do list for yourself. It's about who can help you create results without you having to do all the work. Listen as we provide uncommon perspectives, powerful resources, and experienced people that can help you maximize outcomes in your life. Let's get to the show. Hello and welcome to Maximizing Outcomes with Jim McGovern. Jim, what's going on? Not too much, Eric. we got a great episode lined up today. It's going to be uh, a bit of a serious topic, but I think our audience can certainly handle it. Oh, we'll yeah. Be... They're prepped. <laughs> yeah, they're prepped for <laughs> they're sure. Ready to, they're ready to go. Yeah. yeah so what so, are we talking about? So we're going to talk about how much life insurance can I own? So we're not going to get into how much do I need. We're, in fact, we're oh. going to pick on that a little bit about this whole idea of like just trying to figure out the minimum that you need. And uh, I just I want the audience to understand a bit of the actuarial science that goes into figuring out how much life insurance somebody is eligible for. And uh, I just want to just share a real quick story. If I can share two stories today. Yeah. But the reason why I want to do this episode is I was at a conference recently. And I mean, it's a huge conference. There's 600 advisors from all over the country. And at one point, you know, we, we got to the life insurance topic and they played a video from actually one of my fellow faculty members that's on the um, same committee as me that we, we teach a lot of advisors. And it was one of his clients that was, I think they were in their late 30s, early 40s, two little kids, um, you know, healthy as can be. And they shared a story uh, from the from the widow, unfortunately, that her husband just flat out didn't wake up one morning. I mean, completely Jeez. unexpected. And, you know, I think when you see a video like that, everyone expects that to turn into a really negative tearjerker kind of a story. And because they had done the planning, I'm going to walk everybody through today, they had all the life insurance they were eligible to get. Like they just, they bought everything. And even though of course it's tragic and the family will always have this hole in their heart and you know, kids will always miss their dad. She's going to miss her husband. Um, the economic impact has been minimal and they're yeah. able to live a great life, continue to live the great life they were living before his death. And it's uninterrupted because they did the, uh, I wouldn't even say the hard work. It's just, they just took the time to treat this topic seriously and financially they're going to be just fine. Um, so this is not a, a really long type of an analysis that you have to do, but I think if folks just understood some of the fundamentals, they would probably make decisions a little bit differently when it comes to how much life insurance they own. Yeah. So that's what we're going to cover today. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. I've never thought about it that way, right? How much can I own or, you know, what, what I didn't really realize there was a maximum to be honest with you. And I suppose it's a yeah. good thing because if, if there wasn't a maximum, my wife would be out there shopping for, you know billion dollar policies <laughs> and knocking me off you know someday oh yeah yeah so there's but, we're going to talk about that actually because there's there's a lot of uh you know comments that people make like oh i'm worth more dead than alive and that kind of stuff <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna see if that's really true all right um but let, let's start with that actually because what's weird is a few episodes ago we had an expert come on to talk about property and casualty insurance and you know the, the couple of decades that i've been at this uh, i've looked at i can't even tell you how many you know, auto insurance policies, homeowners insurance policies, uh, jewelry insurance. And it's almost an automatic that people have when I when I meet them for the first time, they have full replacement coverage for all their material possessions, like the big ones. Oh yeah. You know, so if they if they total their car, say they bought a brand new Lexus or BMW or Mercedes or whatever, they spent a lot of money in that car, they're not driving that thing off the lot unless it's fully insured. They're not saying, you know what, the front end of the car is really my favorite. 
So if I total this thing, just replace the front end, the back end, I could do without. Right? That's right. Who needs a trunk? You know, they're also <laughs> they're also not saying, you know what, I dropped a bunch of money in this luxury vehicle, um, but I'm okay with just basic transportation. If I wreck this car, just get me the, the cheapest car humanly possible. I'll drive that. A Yugo. A Yugo. Remember, remember the Yugo? I do. <laughs> Shows my age there a little bit. There you go. So, so things like homes, like if a tornado destroys our house, we want the entire house rebuilt the way it was. Yeah. Yeah. If you if you had an expensive watch or an engagement ring and you lost it or it was stolen, like you want the entire thing replaced. You don't say, well, I guess we could get by with a cubic zirconium instead of a real diamond. <laughs> yeah. The wife would love that. <laughs> yeah. it's uh, From a distance, it looks the same, right? Yeah. So what's weird is that we're we're used to fully insuring property and possessions, and yet those are things that if we didn't replace them, life would move on, right? But we want those mm -hmm. to be fully replaced. Uh, it wouldn't be acceptable to go to a lower a lower value. And yet when it comes to human life, that you cannot replace, it's a permanent, profound impact. People have been taught to just try to figure out, hey, what's the least amount of coverage you can get by with? Yeah, you know, how much do you need? We'll just keep the family in their own world and let's pretend that life's not going to change. And, mm. and and people say things like, you know what, my spouse can go back to work, they can get remarried, and all these kinds of things. And it's just funny because we don't we don't treat our possessions the same way. And I think that there's there's an unspoken elephant in the room. There's 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 really a hidden problem, and that's why people are saying this. It's their fear of what's this gonna cost me. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'll ask people, hey, if, if you could triple or quadruple your life insurance and your employer paid the bill, would you take the additional coverage or would you turn it down? Uh, instantly. Hello. Yeah. I mean, hey, if it's if it's free, which it's not, obviously, but if, if it was free to get more life insurance then yeah, sure, just give it to me. But because we're afraid of what's it going to cost me, people try to do these these calculations and they get in the prediction business of, you know, how, how do we figure out the bare bones minimum we can get by with? And mm -hmm. it just puts the family in a, in a dangerous place. So I just want to talk about what our professional responsibility is as advisors for our clients. When it comes to the topic of life insurance, you know, it's, it's my ethical duty to educate you on how much coverage you're allowed to own. Could you imagine if, if we didn't share that with you and then a loved one did pass away and you found out there was millions of dollars of additional coverage available i mean you would be beyond upset right yeah so it's first and foremost how much are you eligible for it's our responsibility to explain that to you show you how it works and then it's your job as the client to figure out how much of that coverage do you want for your family you may want all of it you may only want some of it but at least you're making an informed decision and then once we know how much you want now that you've been properly educated uh, then it's our job to show you how to acquire it in the most cost-effective way possible okay yeah. So I wanted, I wanted to start there and just take a different sort of approach to this. We're not going to talk about needs analysis. We're going to talk about a concept called human life value. How do we fully replace the economic impact that we have for our families? Okay. All right. So let's dive in. Yeah, yeah absolutely. We, before we do, I got to I gotta say, I've got this vision in my head right now. Um, as you're talking about this, I was speaking to a gentleman who, who he was actually an insurance adjuster, and he, he worked especially, specifically with fires. And he had great information for every family. And he said, look, you need to take a video, walk through your entire house, videotape everything that you own. Make sure you're zooming in so you see the brand and the model of, of electronics, high-end electronics, jewelry, things like that. Go through and make sure you take a video of everything that you've got because 
the insurance company's job in a lot of times, and this is the way they see it, is to replace what you had. So if you had a, a four-slot toaster, they're going to get you the cheapest four-slot toaster you could possibly get. But maybe yours was computerized. Maybe yours had all sorts of functions. and, and all. Maybe yours cost 100 bucks. They're going to get you the $20 one just because you said, I had a four-slot toaster. So he was very specific on on knowing what each item was, you know, the the true value of it and its replacement. And as you were talking about this, equating that to somebody's life, if somebody videotaped what you do on a daily basis, whether it's work or the work you do around your house, that would be a pretty amazing video to have. I mean, I think that a lot of people have those types of videos just because they take videos with their phones, right, and, anymore. But to, to see what that value, what value you bring to your family as, as what that replacement cost would be, I kind of just drew that parallel there because yeah. I never it's thought of it that way before. Yeah. Right. It's totally immeasurable. You can't, you know, you look at what you mean to your, to your spouse. You look at what you mean to your kids, uh, who you are in the community. Yeah. Yeah. Your, your impact on, on the people around you and the memories that you create and the hopes and the dreams you have for the future. It, it's, it's a profound loss if somebody dies, right? You can never replace it. All you can do is replace the economic impact that they mm -hmm. have. And, and you can just, you can relieve the pressure and, and the financial burdens because, you know, like one of the things that I saw in the video that I was talking about uh, from that, that client that passed away or the, the spouse passed away is it wasn't like the funeral was, uh, you know, in the afternoon and she says, okay, the next morning I'm going to go back to work. Yeah. You know, she did go into some of the details about, you know, the therapy that the family had to go through. And mm -hmm. in fact, it was hard to get out of bed for almost an entire year. I mean, just, it, it's that emotional tool that you, you can't capture that in a number. Yeah, absolutely. So let, let's take a slightly more positive spin here at this for a minute. Uh, you know, I want you to think about career paths and you think about the pay raises that people get over time, uh, the bonuses they receive, you know, the the ambition to to do better in their career. And then what do you do with all that money is you tend to live a better and better life. And I've never heard anybody do a needs analysis on their compensation in their career. You know, people don't get offered a bonus at work. They said, Hey, you worked really hard this past year. Um, here's a big bonus. They don't say, Hey, you know, I did a needs analysis. We don't need this money. Uh, we're going to go ahead and decline that bonus <laughs> yeah. or, Hey, I know you want to give me a pay raise, but it's not in our needs needs budget here. Uh, I, I think we're going to be fine without it. No, people take the money. Yeah. And yet when, when somebody passes away, those bonuses are gone. The pay raises are gone. Uh, the climbing the corporate ladder gone benefits gone. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I don't want people to fall into this trap where it's like all of a sudden, just because somebody died, the family has to be frozen in time that they can't enjoy the life that would have been had you not died. So I want to share a little story about this. So years ago, I was working with a, a younger physician, uh, younger meaning that he, he was early on in his career as a surgeon, right? So he had become an attending. Um, he was a couple of years in practice. And at the time, he was he, he got a little bit of a late start, but he was about 40 years old. And his starting salary was about $400,000. But if he just stayed with his practice and he continued to do well, he was going to become a partner of the practice. They were going to give him uh, the ability to buy into the surgery center. He had big time bonus potential. So his income was going to go from about $400,000, which is already a really strong income. It was going to reach the $600,000 to $800,000 range in, in just a handful of years. Mm -hmm. So he was really, really struggling with trying to figure out how much life insurance he wanted for the family. So we're having this kind of a conversation and he had $2 million of coverage 
and his wife's sitting there with him in the meeting and it's, this is plenty and they can get by and he's going on and on and on. And we kind of like exhausted the conversation. So I said, let's, let's move on. We're not getting anywhere with this. And because he was eligible for way more coverage than this. So I asked him, I said, you know, there's a new compensation model that's working its way through your field. And I'm not sure if it's come to your practice uh, yet or not, but this is the way the deal works. So instead of you coming to work here for the next you know, 20 to 25 years and buying into the surgery center and getting these bonuses, et cetera, um, you can opt out of all of that in exchange for a one-time upfront lump sum payment. And what they'll do is they'll give you a $2 million cash payment right now, tax-free. You still have to work in the same practice, by the way. You can't leave. You can't go anywhere else. But you'll never get another pay raise. You'll not be able to buy into the practice. You're on your own for benefits. Um, you cannot put money into a retirement account, which means you can't get the get the bonus. Uh-huh. And I just, you know, we're going on and on with this. And I said, if that offer comes to your practice, will you take the deal? And I'm not going to explain all the choice words that he said, but the answer was <laughs> absolutely not. It was a hard no. Yeah. And I said to him, I'm like, well, the deal's already been signed. And he goes, what do you mean? I said, you've already signed the deal. And he goes, what are you talking about? He's like, I definitely would never sign a deal like that. And so I reached into my briefcase and I, I had a copy of his life insurance policy and I handed it to him. And I said, that's the deal. I said, that is the deal you signed off on. If you had died yesterday, that's the $2 million one-time payment your family would be getting. And gone would be the 25 to $30 million that he would have made over his career. Mm-hmm. And he just kind of sat there in dead silence for a minute. His wife had a big smile on her face. And uh, I said, look, if the deal wasn't good enough for you while you're alive, why do you think it's an amazing deal for your family if you died? And he kind of sat there for a minute. And he goes, he goes, that was pretty good. I said, look, yeah. we never left the life insurance conversation. I go, I'm trying to just make you think differently. Yeah. I said, you're eligible for around $8 million of coverage. You have two right now. My job's not to tell you that you need to own all $8 million. It's This is what's possible. But what's getting in the way? And he said, it's really the cost. And he said, it's also, I just can't wrap my head around. $2 million to me seemed like a ton of money. Getting to $8 million, I can't wrap my head around it. Now, did this guy buy $8 million of life insurance? He actually did not. But he did put in place about $6 million bucks of coverage. Mm-hmm. So he... He vastly improved the protection for his family. And we were able to do with very little cost out of his pocket. And his wife said to me when it was all over, she goes, thank you. She goes, you know, the way he was talking was like, that's just not the way we live our lives. And yet I would be forced into that if he died. It just didn't make any sense. Yeah. So again, just our job is to help you think differently. When we, when we tested those numbers in front of him, we, it's so easy to do. It took us 10 minutes. We just did a stress test so he could see that if if he had died yesterday, this is the kind of situation the family would be in mm-hmm. and you know deep down he was kind of you know being a, a tough guy in the service but you know he had a soft spot in his heart for his family he's like yeah i don't want them to live that way and he goes i'd much rather you know pay a little bit of insurance premium and know that if the worst were to happen that my family's gonna be just fine yeah yep absolutely so let's talk about the science of this um eric do you have anything that you have overinsured? that you're aware of over overinsured no overinsured like if you had a loss you'd get a massive profit no n- nothing overinsured it's i mean well okay describe overinsured to me okay what, that, what do you mean simple by that? example let's say that um you went out and bought a new car today say the car was fifty thousand bucks is it reasonable to ask the insurance company to insure the vehicle for fifty thousand bucks not a trick question by the way yeah yeah, yeah absolutely 
Makes sense, right? Yes. If you said, hey, I paid cash for the car. I don't want any collision coverage on this at all. If I total the car, that's on me. Does the insurance company really care? Nope. They could care less, right? Now, if you said my car was 50 grand, I want $5 million of coverage on my car. So if I total it, I get $5 million. <laughs> Are they okay with that? They're going to be looking at you a little suspicious. That one. How long would it take you to have your first accident, right? <laughs> yeah. Accident. I think it, I'm yeah, using people, air quotes, accident. Accident, right? It'd be on purpose. So <laughs> as soon as you sign the ink to buy the car, like sign on the when the paperwork and the ink is dry, people would immediately wreck their car. And then they would run back into the dealership, they'd buy another car, and they would just keep repeating this every single moment they could until they uh, either had a massive headache or they they had all the money. Yeah. <laughs> right. The reason I'm giving this weird example is life insurance companies are no different from other forms of insurance where you know, they don't like to overinsure anything. You can't overinsure your, your car. You can't overinsure your house. You cannot overinsure your life. What you can insure is a replacement value of what was lost. So it's real simple in the life insurance world. So we're going to talk about this from a personal aspect first. And I'm also going to share some information for people who own businesses. So when you're between the ages of 18 and 40, mm -hmm. the most life insurance you can get is 30 times your income. So what's really? the rationale behind that? It sounds like a huge number. Well, the rationale is, well, if you don't die, that means you're going to live and you're going to keep working. And it's it's it, it's common sense that somebody that's between the ages of 18 and 40, they probably have around 30 more years to work. Mm -hmm. So they're letting you get enough coverage to replace all those working years that uh, that are out in your future. When you hit age 41, the number drops. So between the ages of 41 to 50, the most life insurance you can get is 20 times your income. What they're acknowledging is some of your working years have passed you by. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Between ages of 51 and 60, you can get 15 times your earnings. Between 61 to 65, you can get 10 times your earnings. Believe it or not, if you're 60 to 70, you can get one times your net worth. If you're over the age of 70, you can get about 50% of your net worth. If you're over the age of 80, it's case by case. Okay. Hmm. Now, this doesn't mean you're insurable, right? You have to pass a physical in most cases when you're talking about these these amounts. Yeah. All right. But but it's what they won't give you is you know give me fifty times my income because then there is a profit to the family. If you did die, the family's getting a giant windfall, way more money than uh, you would have made if you worked, and that's when people go missing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So, yeah, so I, I know that the cynics out there say, oh, I'm worth more dead than alive. I think that's just sort of a line people have heard and they just decided to repeat. Mm -hmm. But if you get into this, the insurance company won't let you do it. Yeah. Okay. All right. So for spouses, they do two calculations. They take 50% of whatever your spouse has or the multiple of your own income, depending on what age you are. Whichever is higher, that's what they allow you to have. Because they recognize is that you know a lot of households, whether you're a dual income household or a single income household, uh, it takes both parties to raise a family. So if um, if if one person is working outside of the home and the other is not, well, if the if the non breadwinner spouse passes away, there's still a huge economic impact on the family. Oh yeah, absolutely. Right. It's either that the the breadwinner maybe has to take off time from work or hire caregivers, things like that. So there's an economic impact that they honor and say, Hey, it's the greater of these two calculations, whichever is larger, that's what you can have. All right. So that's how it works in the, in everyone's household. Now, if you own a business, the same multiples apply for your family, but 
in a family, like you're the key person. You're one of the key people in your family. Well, when you're in a business, you're also a key person there. And death in a business situation can have a profound impact on the company's success, the company's profitability, the company's valuation. Mm -hmm. So if you're deemed a key person in your company, whether you're an owner or just a key person, you can get five to 10 times your income. That's how much coverage the, the business can get on your life. If you have an agreement, uh, we did an episode on this a few uh, a couple months ago, where we talked about buy-sell agreements. And yep. if there's an agreement in place where there's a buyout, we had gave the example of Eric and I owned a company and the company is worth you know, maybe $5 million. Uh, we can get 100% of the value that that agreement states that is going to exchange hands. Uh, we can ensure that 100%. So that's an interesting point for business owners that a lot of times we'll have them insured as key people and for the buy-sell agreement, because as much as we want these buy-sell agreements to be updated every single year, a lot of owners don't get, don't get around to it. Yeah. So it might be that that key person coverage had to do some double duties because the company grew a lot since the document was formed and the buy-sell insurance was great when you put the plan in place, but the company has grown. It's not quite enough coverage. So we may need to borrow some of that, that key person coverage into that buy-sell agreement. Business owners can insure against 100% of the debt of the business. And if there is a projected estate tax, which I know the, the limitations right now uh, are pretty high, but they're probably going to come down at some point in the future. But whatever your projected estate tax is, you can also insure that as well. And that can help preserve family assets, businesses, real estate, things that are very important assets versus having to liquidate those to, to pay a tax. You can use the insurance to fund it. Now, is that on top of the other insurance? So it in other is. words, okay, so the estate tax, uh, just as the example, 100% of the tax impact can be insured. Plus, you know, if I'm between 51 and 60, I think you said 15 times my income. So it would be both of those. Right. Ah, so fantastic. it might be that you look at somebody, and I'm just giving a couple random examples here, but, you know, somebody who maybe for their own family can acquire, you know, three or $4 million of life insurance, but they own a business there might be another five, 10, 15, or $20 million of additional coverage they can get through their business. And it's again, it's how much debt does the company have? What's the value of it? What's the tax situation looking like? Okay. So it, it might be that, hey, that's great. I have $25 million of insurability just for life insurance. Mm -hmm. There's probably a similar amount for disability insurance. That doesn't mean that you have the cash flow to acquire all of it. Yeah. So you might have to make a couple tough decisions of, okay, which of these risks are really most pressing. I don't have cash flow to fund all of these, but which ones are most important? Right. So that's, that's where we get back to the cost issue. Because again, if it was free, we would just load up the truck and get all the coverage we possibly totally. could get. Yep. So it's not free. So we have to look at, for a family, we have to look at all aspects of the balance sheet. We have to look at their assets, look at their liabilities, look at their cash flows, look at their other insurances, and just find the cash flow, find the inefficiencies. So it might be something as simple as, you know, can we can we help you acquire the additional coverage that you want without any out-of-pocket changes to your cash flows? Well, if that's the case, it's super easy to make a decision as long as you're insurable. And that might be something as simple as looking at other insurances. I see folks that sometimes keep very low deductibles. And it's like, okay, well, you're you're really paying a lot of premiums to insure against a risk you could easily recover from. Mm -hmm. And yet, if you bump those deductibles up, you might save enough money to get a much larger block of life insurance, which is something that's much more difficult for the family to recover from. So it might be that you didn't have any changes to your total cash flows, gotcha. but you increased your coverage 10, 15, 20 times. 
Hmm. So there, there's dozens and dozens of different ways to look at all this, but that's the advantage of, of taking a more holistic approach. If you look at everything together, it might be, wow, there's an easy way to offset some of these costs now. So sure, maybe I am out of pocket a little bit right now, but on the back end, I have ways to be more efficient with other areas of my plan. It'll make it feel as if it had no cost. So we just have to be smart about it, right? And the other thing I'm going to mention about this is that, you know, I always joke that we all have a warranty in our health and everybody's warranty expires at some point. And it's not like car insurance where you li listen to uh, our episode on the, on the umbrella insurance. And you said, Hey, that makes a lot of sense. I'm going to call my insurance company. I'm just going to bump my umbrella insurance up. And they say, sure, no problem. You have 2 million now and you want 5 million. No big deal. We'll put it in place. With life insurance, every time you want to increase your coverage, the insurance company wants to understand what your health situation is like. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've heard a lot of folks say, you know, right now, I think we can get by with, with less coverage than we're eligible for, but I'll just get more of this later. So when I have kids or when we buy the next house, or once we know what the kid's college situation is going to look, then we're going to go get the insurance and you're just leaving it off the chance because there could be very subtle changes to your health where you're like, Oh, it's not that big of a deal. But to a life insurance company, they might say, well, your risk of mortality has gone through the roof. Yeah. And you might say, I want the coverage now. And they might say too bad. You can't have it. And I'll just share a real quick personal story. Um, this happened to me. So I've fortunate been very healthy my entire life. And out of nowhere, when I was in my late twenties, I experienced the pulmonary embolism and mm. it was something that it came from a flight. So I was sitting on a flight for a very long time period. I wasn't moving and a blood clot formed in my leg. I didn't feel it. I had no symptoms, but within about 24 hours, that blood clot broke off, traveled through my body, went right through my heart and it landed into my lung. And mm -hmm. when that happened, it got my attention. I'm like, something is definitely not right. So I go to the hospital and they do all these scans and everything else. And they said, Hey, you had a, a pulmonary embolism. And I'm like, I don't know what that is, but I have things to do today. I need to get out of here. And they explained to me that this could be fatal. Yeah. Yeah. So that caught my attention and they hooked me up to IVs. I sat in the hospital for about five days and, uh, you know, they put me on blood thinners, things like that. So I ended up making a full recovery, but for a period of about five years, I was uninsurable. So if I decided, Hey, that was a wake up call time to go get some life insurance. They would have told me no. Yeah. So fortunately I practice what I preach. So every year I look at my own life insurance, my own disability insurance, my own umbrella insurance, things like that. And I say, do I have all the coverage that I'm, economically eligible for and if the answer is no then i put more coverage in place okay if i can get more i'll take it so fortunately i've always done that and i put provisions on all my policies where as i get older as my income changes i can buy more coverage on a guaranteed basis so i don't have to take medical exams or go mm -hmm. through any health underwriting it's automatically mine so during that period where i was uninsurable for five years i was able to increase my coverage several times just because i had the whether it was be the wisdom or just the uh, the good training to say, hey, protect your health status, yeah, get the coverage you can while you can, while you're young and healthy, and then get the ability to buy more. And, because when you want it, it may not be available. And fortunately, I was able to to get around those issues. Yeah. So w what happened after five years? It just dropped off because of they said, okay, this was just a one time thing because of a, a specific situation. Sure. Yeah. So that, yeah. that's basically what happened. They said, Hey, you, you've gone five years past. This is what, uh, you know, bedside manner was not real good when I was in the hospital. I'm like, what causes a, what causes a pulmonary embolism? The first word out of the doctor's mouth is like, well, it could be cancer. It could be I'm like, Whoa, oh, wait a minute. What? Hey, back up. 
So and then he got to like the last thing. I was like, well, it could be a freak accident. So that's what the insurance company was concerned about. They go, was this a freak accident? Was this like a one in a million kind of thing? Or mm-hmm. is there something else going on health wise? We want to see what, what ends up happening. So, uh, so going back after five years and there's like 16 different categories, they put you in health wise for life insurance policies. I was in the top health category. So after five years, I went back and they said, well, you're still, in, you're, you're now insurable again, but not that, that top health category. Say so they knocked me down a notch. Which wasn't terrible, but it was also like, man, you know, I want that, <laughs> I want that better notch back. And like, well, you can't get it. Mm-hmm. So I would just tell everybody listening is that you know, please treat this seriously. Um, this isn't one of those things where um, you get a redo. You know, sometimes you get away with it. Sometimes it's like, okay, I, I should have done this years ago. I didn't, and maybe you're fortunate. You're still in good health, but none of us are guaranteed it tomorrow. And nothing breaks my heart more than when I go on social media. And I see a posting for GoFundMe. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, sadly, you see it all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, young people do pass away. And it's not always because of a bus that ran them over, right? Mm -hmm. It's not always accidents. Sometimes people develop really serious health issues and they pass away. And like your heart goes out to the family that it's like, now they're hoping that a website can raise a bunch of money to take care of the family. And it, it never works out. It's like, okay, your friends and family all chip in a hundred bucks, 200 bucks. It's like, well, how long is that going to take care of the family? Yeah. Yeah. That might get them through the next week or two, the next month or two, but it's not going to replace the economic impact. If people just went and they go funded themselves, right. If yeah. they just took that same little contribution, they're going to give somebody else and, and bought proper life insurance for their own family. We wouldn't have to worry about things like GoFundMe. Well, I mean, uh, the, the ones I normally see are like they're they're trying to raise ten to fifteen, twenty thousand dollars just for the funeral expenses, right? Right. J- just to get that. That has nothing to do with the future. That is in the moment, right? And they're trying to raise that money in that moment. And I think it's an honorable thing. I think it's great when family or friends set that up for somebody to help them out in a time of need. But it wouldn't be as big of a need. <laughs> If they right. had done that planning that you're talking about, and yeah, you know. I I think people's people's hearts are in the right places. They see somebody that they know, somebody they care about, struggling, yeah. and they they want to help. But they also have their own family they have to take care of. Yeah, right. And it's like you know, people are like, okay, I'll jump online, I'll donate a couple hundred bucks or whatever. Even even if it's a thousand bucks or five thousand bucks, great. It, it's going to help for a little while, but then the family's still dealing with a complete nightmare. Right. So the, yeah. the bottom line, just to kind of wrap this up and we'll uh, we'll call it a day here, is that this is not a long or difficult conversation. Like I said earlier, in about 10 to 15 minutes, that's about all it takes to just map out how all this stuff works. Let you try on the coverage you currently have. Simulate, hey, if this really were to occur, what would it look like for my family? And I would say probably 100 times out of 100 when I show somebody this is the coverage you have and how it really works. They're shocked at the at the speed at which the money runs out. So the bottom line on this is that you're never going to be able to buy so much life insurance that your your family is put on easy street forever. It's just it's not going to be possible. But what yeah. you can do is you can give them one last gift of love and support, and you can take the pressure off them for the next several decades, yeah. and let them heal and let them get back on their feet and let them do things in the time that's more natural to them versus forcing them into making really difficult life choices that you would have never chosen for them had you still been around. Absolutely. So I don't know if this is a public service announcement or what, but please do a checkup on this stuff, whether it's with us or somebody like us. I think you owe it to yourself, you owe it to your family to 
to just give us a, a second set of eyes and and look at what's possible, not like what's the minimum we can get by with. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. It, to the listening audience, you guys have been with us for a while, and, and you know the, the caliber of guests that Jim brings on and, and then the, the content that he has that when he doesn't have a guest, it's just me. Sorry about that, but it's just me. <laughs> but, but Jim has great content. And if you're listening to this going, okay, this is something that I need to look for myself, that's great. This is definitely for you. But I also want those of you that are just sitting there thinking, you know, I don't know how my parents are set up, or I don't know how my kids are set up, if they've thought about this kind of stuff. Uh, and it's, these aren't easy conversations usually to have, but it really does make it easy when you have somebody in your corner like Jim. Um, and Jim, I know that you're open to phone calls, uh, obviously not just because you do run a business, but the, the, the bottom line is you work with families all the time and that's your focus. And so if somebody has questions that maybe they, they're like, hey, how do I approach this subject with my kids? My kids are, you know, they're started their careers and they're starting families and I, I don't know how to talk about life insurance with them. How, you know, I would say, I would say don't, don't be afraid of the conversation. You know, it, it's it's a lot easier to have this conversation when you're on this side of the dirt, right? When you're on, yes, yes. you know, and, and it's like, I promise you, it's not awkward. It, it's pretty straightforward. It's pretty easy. And, you know, it, it's not like a, a situation where nobody's judging you. Okay. It's like, this is what you have and how it works. Is that outcome what you intended? And if it's not, well, how do you make it better? You know, it, it's more about, about progress, not perfection. And, you know, if, if you, if you want some help, if you want to talk, I mean, that's part of the reason why we do this podcast, you can reach out to us, um, easily through email. You can info us at info at mcgovernwealth.com, or you can jump on our website, www.mcgovernwealth.com. There's a little box on there to contact us and just tell us what you're thinking. Tell us what you're, what you're looking for some help with. And if you want to have a conversation, there's a button to schedule some time in the calendar. We may need 15 minutes, 30 minutes, but whatever it is that you think you need, just block the time off and let's, let's have the conversation before it's too late. Yeah. Fantastic. Jim, thank you. Always a pleasure. Always great information. And uh, I appreciate your time. Thank you, Eric. You bet. And of course, our last thank you always goes to you listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Maximizing Outcomes podcast with Jim McGovern. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Jim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask that you share this podcast, rate it, and leave a review, as this actually does help others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at McGovern Wealth Group, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Maximizing Outcomes Podcast, brought to you by Jim McGovern and the McGovern Wealth Group. Be sure to follow the show to be notified when new episodes become available. To suggest a topic or guest for a future episode, or learn more about how we can help to maximize outcomes in your life, visit our website at www.mcgovernwealth.com. This podcast is intended for general public use and is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or McGovern Wealth Group, and opinions stated are their own. By providing this content, Park Avenue Securities, LLC, is not undertaking to provide investment advice or a recommendation for any specific individual or situation or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity. Please contact a financial representative for guidance and information that is specific to your individual situation. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. Jim McGovern is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS.
Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS. Member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America. Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. McGovern Wealth Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. CA Insurance License Number 0F67329 AR Insurance License Number 7119103 California Insurance License Number 0F67329 Arkansas Insurance License Number 7119103 Compliance Number 2023-153 540 expires April 2025.